20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again today. Hope you're having a great start to your new year. Dan Kotnick here with you today, as always, uh, for the first time in 2019. My partner in crime, Chris Schummel. Chris, good holiday for you. Good Christmas. Uh, I think we haven't really talked since before the holidays. We've had uh, our two episodes sandwiched in between the entire holiday season. Uh, busy for you. you traveling a lot. Well, for New Year's, not really. I just just hung low at home with my girlfriend. And, you know, I'd want to go out and have fun. But when you hear your friend say, oh, we're going to a bar, but it's $50 cover. Like, yeah, I don't want to pay 50 bucks to get into a bar like you guys. So I'm just going to. $50? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of bars in, in uh, Milwaukee where you have to pay a ton of money to get in. And then, of course, what are the odds of you making your way to the bar and ordering a drink? That's going to probably cost extra. So I just kicked it and stayed home. How about you? <laughs> that that reminds me. It reminds me of that uh, uh, that Geico commercial of the the guy that's turning into his dad, and they go to the club like, oh, ten dollar cover. Uh, didn't see that on the didn't see that on the website. Get a round of jalapeno poppers for me and the boys. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, no, Chris. I mean, Christmas uh, season. I was traveling all over the place. Thankfully, uh, New Year's we got to stay in and went to the uh, Detroit Red Wings game on uh, on New Year's Eve, which led uh, into bars. Thankfully, we found a bar that didn't have a, a $50 cover. Lucky. <laughs> yeah, for Christmas, I, I was traveling two back and forth. My girlfriend's family's in Madison. Mine's in Brookfield, which is just outside of Milwaukee. So Christmas Eve at one family, Christmas at the other. So driving back and forth like crazy. But Same. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I know what you're saying. I have family that lives in the, uh, in like near the tip of Ohio in Dayton, and then uh, girlfriend's family up in, close to Traverse City area. So if you're mapping that out, that's a good seven and a half hour drive, which I made straight through on on Christmas Eve. Wow. So, yeah, it was, <laughs> but thankfully I had plenty of pack a day podcasts to keep me company. On I know, my, right? Like my drive up. Once you discover podcasts, like driving, like I was, I'd be listening to a podcast driving to my girlfriend's place in Madison. It's only about, you know, like an hour away. And I'm listening to a podcast. And by the time I arrive, I like, I don't want to arrive because I want to finish this episode. It's for, yeah, it's yeah, perfect. That to you? Yeah. I mean, that's and not to be more of a plug for this, but our episodes here, I listen to it every single day on the way to work because my commute is just about the same time as each of our episodes. <laughs> so it's it's perfect, but thankfully I kind of I I I logged them for my my travels uh, throughout the the Christmas season. Um, so some uh, news to get to before we dive into today's episode. Uh, obviously, the off season, or at least the beginning of this off season, is going to be focused pretty much entirely on the head coaching decision for the Green Bay Packers finding the replacement for Mike McCarthy. Uh, today being reported by Jason LaCanforna and uh, WTMJ as well that the Packers have requested an interview with um, the offensive coordinator for the Saints, Pete Carmichael Jr. Uh, he's been the offensive coordinator for the Saints since 2009, so he got in there right when they uh, started that Super Bowl run in 2009-2010. 
so he'll be added to the the growing list of of head coaches. Uh, Chris, uh, does the name? And it's not one that's been thrown around too much recently, but does the name Pete Carmichael Jr. pique your interest, knowing that he's uh, part of that offensive juggernaut that the Saints have been the last decade or so? Well, first, his name is amazing. His name is <laughs> out of the park. That is a great name. And at the same time, you know, you're excited because, you know, the Saints and their legendary offense. If you take mm-hmm. a look, even on their down seasons, when the Saints went three straight years at seven and nine, they had a top five offense every year. So they've had a Super Bowl caliber offense basically this entire decade, which is pretty hard to do. The Packers, on the other hand, they've had some bumps down the road, you know, 2015, last year, this year. Saints have been steady the entire way. So it's exciting to see that. However, one people, some might say Sean Payton's the guy calling all the plays. So is this guy creating all the plays and then giving Sean Payton the keys to the car and then Payton takes over? What do you think? Uh, you definitely could make you could make the argument for that, and then I mean, also you throw in the fact that he's been able to play and coach with uh, with Drew Brees in a dome situation like that, you know, which has to help out, uh, you know, a, a high powered offense uh, like that, and and you know, who maybe maybe some of these uh, some of these coaches that they're bringing in for interviews could be people that they're bringing in as candidates potentially for offensive coordinator positions, uh, defensive coordinator positions, you know, um, I, I mean, if, if you've been doing this for basically a decade now and you have a Super Bowl ring with a quarterback like Drew Brees and you've been a contender pretty much that entire time, I think that that's somebody to, uh, to at least take a look at and the, the go ahead. Yeah, I was just thinking, if you take a look at the Packers in the 90s, guys like Steve Mariucci, Andy Reid, they all got jobs after leaving the Packers that they didn't call the plays, you know, Holmgren was. And look how well they did once they left. You know, the Mariucci with the 49ers leading them to the playoffs, Andy Reid, of course, Eagles, and now the Chiefs. And the Chiefs scored 565 points, third most all time. And so that just shows you how great he is at adapting to the league. So I think this is a overall really really solid interview i feel i'm I'm actually getting more and more excited about this the more we talk about it well it's going to be very exciting this whole entire process it's something that packer fans haven't gotten to experience for 13 years now uh, a head coaching search and the good thing about us at pack a day is that we're on every single day so we have a lot of time to discuss all of these different options and actually we're going to spend the next several days a solid week at least breaking down each and every one of these head coaching candidates, people that the Packers have reached out to or have at least expressed interest in getting an interview on. So each day for the next week, at least, we're going to be breaking down a new head coaching candidate uh, for the Green Bay Packers. It starts tomorrow. The first one, Andrew and Kyle are going to break down uh, Josh McDaniels, who's probably you could consider maybe the front runner, at least from the, you know, a name standpoint for the Packers, but each and every, each and every day, the next week. So uh, I think that's probably, that's probably the best thing you get an in-depth breakdown of each and every one of these guys, almost like a draft prospect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So are you excited about McDaniels? What do you think? McDaniels? I, uh, I, I know that, I know that things have been said about the red flags aren't that big, but man, I just, he burned, I think he burned bridge, the bridge for me. That's why I think if he does what, 
again what he did in Indianapolis. That is career suicide. Yeah, basically, like like if he does this, not only will he burn a bridge, but he'll like napalm it. Yeah. Okay. To the point where nobody's going to take him seriously, and it, you're going to have to wait for for Belichick probably to die before <laughs> he can take over the Patriots. So, yeah. you know, it, it it's if you if you told me this two years ago, I would have been really really excited. You know, if before this whole Indianapolis Colts drama, I would have been super excited for Josh McDaniels. But right now, I'm I'm like you, um, I'm skeptical. Very skeptical. And then you just throw in that he wasn't really that impressive in his last time. And the track record for Bill Belichick coaches Mm -hmm. aren't really the best. So I'm, I'm keeping an open mind with, with everybody is, you know, Mm -hmm. like I said, this kind of a new experience for a lot of, uh, a lot of us Packers fans as we head into uh, the off season now and getting ready for draft and we're going to watch playoffs and everything else like that. But uh, we kind of wanted to break down uh, the 2018 season for the Packers, look ahead to 2019, make some New Year's resolutions for the Packers as well. So as we wrap up this uh, this season, uh, Chris, MVPs for both sides, what went well, what didn't go well, um, just kind of put a bow on things with the 18th season. Um, star players on both sides of the ball for you, who do you pick? Offense. Devontae Adams and David Bakhtiari. And then on defense, I like Kenny Clark. And even though we had ups and downs, I thought Blake Martinez had a really, really solid year. I'm going to go, I'm just, just to be a bit of a contrarian. And uh, because, I mean, obviously if you're going just straight MVP, it's Devontae Adams, because I mean, the guy was two catches away from breaking a record that a lot of people thought when he didn't play, I was so upset. I know. Throw two wide receiver screens, okay? <laughs> the fan, that's exactly right. The fan in me said just two little two little dink passes yeah. for zero yards and just get him out. That's all That's all I want. Right. Oh. And <laughs> I don't plus, care I if didn't you have to tape his You know, I right. didn't know that he was hurt. All of a sudden, it's like, he's out? Wait a minute. I didn't even hear anything about this. Why? But, oh, well. Yeah, that was kind of the one thing to I was looking forward to in that in that game and it yeah. got taken away. It was the only thing everybody was really looking forward yeah. to. I mean, it was all hyped up on social media. Like that was the go-to thing because they're not going to make the playoffs. So that was like the go-to thing. And then a, but probably one of the most positive things to come out of that game was Kyler Fackrell getting double-digit sacks. Yeah, <laughs> That was probably the only upside of that entire game. I mean, <laughs> never could have never could have uh predicted that at the beginning of the season i mean you and i well we broke down that position group yeah uh, before the season started and you thought that that was going to be like a reggie gilbert thing after what happened in the preseason right absolutely but it's it's absolutely crazy and to to think that uh kyler fackrell also doesn't have that great of teammates around him you know, the fact that he was able to get there with virtually no help. I mean, you don't you don't see a lot of guys like Clay Matthews double teamed anymore. Right. Yeah. He basically was. Yeah. Basically doing it kind of all on his own. Um, but like I said, like I was saying, my offensive, if I was going to give an offensive MVP, I'm going to pick Corey Lindsley. The okay. center for the Green Bay Packers played every single offensive snap this year. 
I, I mean, that he really just sits down there in the middle of that offensive line. I know that he gets – I think he gets the credit that's due to him from Packers fans. But if, if I'm going to pick an, an interesting kind of, you know, off-the-wall MVP, I'll pick Corey Lindsley, uh, your center, that played – I mean, that just doesn't happen much anymore. So he, he's like the X Factor, you're saying? He's like the rug and the big Lebowski that – Brought the room together. Brought the kind room of, together. Brought the offense together. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, well, I mean, center outside of, you know, quarterback is probably like the lieutenant on that. Oh, yeah. He needs offense, to have the You know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, a lot of times a quarterback wants to sit there and read the defense and you let the center is the one who's going to call out the protection scheme. So it gives one less thing on the quarterback. So the quarterback can spend more time looking at key matchups. And that's huge. So you need to have a really smart uh, center and Corey Lindsley, and he's overdue for a Pro Bowl, too. I mean, oh, I yeah. Like he could have had more than one. And I remember when originally he was going to play 2014 season, week one, against the Seahawks, and Bruce Irvin said, I'll pray for him. Mm-hmm. He had a fantastic rookie year. And he so, did. Yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that. I would, I would put Lindsley at number three behind my Devontae Adams and Bakhtiari. Like that. Um, defensively, it's really hard to kind of like find, you know, someone a little bit different on on the defensive side. I think, um, I mean, Kenny Clark, like you said, he, he came into his own this year. You know, I, I think last year we kind of saw him develop and start to blossom. And this year he just kind of came and said, I'm here. I'm established. This is, there's no more, you know, up and coming. Like I am. I am here. I've made my I've made my entrance to the NFL. Yeah, he kind of like took the torch from Mike Daniels as the best defensive lineman. And kind of like how uh, Mike Daniels may have taken it from Colin Jenkins mm-hmm. or stuff like that. So it was just a passing of the torch. So I am really excited about Kenny Clark because he's so damn young. Yeah. Isn't he yeah. still like 22, 23? I mean, yeah, I, right around there. I mean, he's only been – this is only his second year, second or third year, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Uh, one of the last great first round draft picks by Ted Thompson. That's, that's very true. Uh, Probably the last great first round pick that he, uh, seven sacks as a defensive tackle. I mean, I know Aaron Donald is wreaking havoc, but I don't care what people say. Seven sacks for a defensive tackle and a three, four defense is something else. I think if, if you wanted to find another, if you really wanted to dig and search for another defensive, uh, MVP, you might want to go, you might want to look Bashard Breeland. Uh, two interceptions on the team on a team that really that finished almost dead last in interceptions this year. Oh yeah, and, I was going to say know, I was going to bring that up. They had only seven interceptions all year, which is by far the lowest of the last decade. Mm-hmm. Before that, it was eleven. You know, check this out. From two thousand eight through twenty uh, through twenty eleven, two thousand eight twenty two interceptions, two thousand nine thirty, twenty ten twenty four, twenty eleven thirty one. Since then. Their most ever has been 18. And it's crazy because people are thinking, you know, with Mike Pettin coming back and optimistic about the defense and how the secondary is better with Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson, only seven interceptions. Uh, that That's just mind-boggling because I remember when they had only 11 in 2013, the first thought was get a safety and they got ha Clinton Dix. But I still think that pass rush is their number one thing going into this offseason. I would have to agree. I think you can – yeah. I think that's I think that's I think that's you know the the prevailing sentiment now. Well, because you, of the two first round draft picks, do you think 
more pass rush in the first round, but if, or if there's a great safety, do you grab them? I think you go. I think you. I think you have to focus on pass rush. Yeah. It, you know, I mean, it, it always. It, I mean, it's going to depend obviously on what comes your way, what falls your way, what you can do to move up or you know move down. Yeah. Um, but I, I think if I think if the if all things equal, it has to be you have you have to go pass rush even if it's the third or fourth best you know rated pass rusher in that draft. I think that's what you have to go for. Yeah, but you really think Breland MVP of the entire defense? Well, I, I think if your year. Well, I think if you're if you're looking for a a dark horse kind of candidate to to pull out of there, I mean I, that's why I, I, I'm not saying that he is. I'm saying that if you were trying to look for somebody else in a a defense that didn't force a lot of turnovers and he comes in basically over a quarter of the way through the season dealing with injuries and being put into a new system that he didn't, you know, get a training camp to, to kind of get familiar with, he played pretty admirably. And I think also kind of proved that he can make a difference on the special teams return game as well a little bit. If, if need, if uh, you know, that's where you need the to put him. Okay, what would you? But my boy Blake Martinez. Oh my no! Yeah, my girlfriend wanted to get a Blake Martinez jersey for Christmas, and that was the one thing I left off because, dude, jerseys <laughs> are expensive. But yeah, Blake well, Martinez, I mean, he tied his the mark last year. He set the Green Bay Packer record for tackles in a season with one forty four. He got one forty four again this year, but five sacks and three passes defended. I, I'm thinking. Do you think he can possibly make an All Pro team with those numbers? Second team All Pro, maybe. I, he has an argument for it because I mean those are Luke Keekley type numbers. Yeah, and I don't think he gets the respect he deserves. Yeah, I mean, he he's still young, only three years in the league. He's not perfect, but I think the guy is turning into a stud. I would agree. I, I mean, if anything else, he he has control of that defense, and it seems to be, you know, he seems to be have uh, you know kind of the head for it. Oh, yeah, yeah, Stanford grad. I love the Stanford guys, except for exactly. Kyle Murphy. I didn't like that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Chris, I wanted to I wanted to throw some uh, some things out here since we're just a couple days into 2019. A couple of New Year's resolutions that I've I've put together for the for the Packers. OK, uh, you 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 throw you throw your if you've got something to throw in comment, uh, hit up, throw my way. But this is what I've got. All right. So I'm I'm starting out with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And uh this might be my most hot takey of them all, but we'll see. Aaron Rodgers, you've got to your new year's resolution is to lose weight in your head. <laughs> the head gonna... needs to, to shrink a little bit because you cannot go into a new head coaching regime like this and have this kind of diva outlook on things. Not to say that he was a diva or is a diva or a bad teammate, but I mean, there's definitely conflict that he's had with the coaching staff the past couple of years, and it's causing things to not work out. And I know that in most cases, Aaron Rodgers, you're probably right, but you've got to kind of humble yourself a little bit if you want this to work. Well, you know, you know, everyone says how how uh, he has this legendary chip on his shoulder where he's super sensitive, where you say anything to him, he's going to remember it the rest of his life. 
I want some random dude to go up to him and say, stop acting like Favre at the end of his career. <laughs> Maybe that will wake him up. Cause I know you, you obviously the guy holds grudges. The guy has a huge chip on his shoulder. Someone needs to yell that to him or something. Cause then he might change. But yeah, I agree. Cause especially I guarantee you when these new head coaches are interviewing, they're going to be asking about him. They're going to be asking, is this guy a wild horse? That's going to buck me off. I need a, I'm going to, if I'm going to accept this job, I'm going to have to have a one-on-one great relationship with the quarterback. Right. How much, how much was he involved in potentially Mike McCarthy leaving? You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I mean, everyone, everyone, you know, it's the LeBron James thing. Is he quote unquote, a coach killer? You know what I mean? Yeah. Coaches don't want to run into a situation like that, really, no matter how, you know, how good you are. Um, my next New Year's resolution is for uh, Brian Gutekunst, GM of the Green Bay Packers. And that, Brian, is your resolution is find true love in 2019 in the free agent market. Brian, find your true love in the free agent market because Ted Thompson did it with Charles Woodson. Ron Wolf did it with Reggie White. You've got to find your big guy <laughs> in free agency. I mean, I mean that's just that's just the mark of every GM. And when and you all say of those that, Super Bowl teams. And are, when you say that, are you leaning more toward offense or defense? Because I'm leaning more toward defense. I think it has to be defense. I mean, if you can make a splash on offense, I mean, it, it can't just be another Jimmy Graham signing. It's got to be a big whale like you know i don't want to say antonio brown but if it's antonio brown that would be a splash pick mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I think yeah i think you have to lean and not somebody i mean i know charles woodson was old and so was reggie white a lot of people are saying they're past their primes and same thing with jimmy graham when people got him i mean i think we all knew he wasn't gonna put up the numbers he did with the saints but we expect a little bit more so are you thinking you want to get a guy who's smack dab in his prime or would you be upset if you get a guy who's a little bit older around 30 but may have a little bit le- gas left in the tank i uh, personally i don't know if it matters as long as they contribute and right. make that kind of impact you know what i mean because that's why it worked with reggie white and charles woodson you had the established franchise quarterback and an offense that is you know one or two pieces away from being able to compete for something you need to make the splash pick on defense you've got to find something there on defense and whether it's an a julius peppers type player that's trying to get a couple more good years out of you or it's a younger guy that you convinced to to join the ranks as long as they have the impact i think that's that's what counts yeah completely agree wide receivers your next new year's resolution the whole wide receiver core 2019 needs to be about reconnecting with family and it all starts with the patriarch of the family and that's Aaron Rodgers get back on the same page I know I just talked about Aaron Rodgers being too big-headed but you all need to bury I don't know if there's there's the hatchet or there's no communication but go out to the woods for a camping trip for a week and I don't know have bonfires and make s'mores uh, that reminds me of, to connect that reminds me a couple of years ago like i think jordy nelson you know he has his farm out in kansas and he yeah. invited all the wide receivers to go out to his barn 
something like that. Because I just think of the one play where it's third and one, and of course, and nobody's open, and so it's a scramble drill, and they're all like 30, 40 yards downfield, and Rogers telling everyone, come back to me. It's only third and one, just come back, and they didn't do it. Stuff like that. Like, I mean, I know you practice a scramble drill, but stuff like little stuff like that, you need to get on the same page. So, yeah, I completely agree. And especially now with Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb's gone. Those received, and he was, Randall Cobb was great in the scramble drill. So, you know, they're probably going to miss his leadership at least. I know he didn't perform that well this year. But, well, I, and I mean, you've got these, you've got these rookies, these young guys that haven't gotten a lot of time and experience. You can't really just say we're going to hang out together for these 25 weeks of the season and hope things click, you know, right. as, as things go along, you're going to need to put in some extra effort in right. 2019 to, to, to make things work. Yeah. That, that's um, what separates the average from the good and the good from the great. Exactly. My last one, we kind of actually already touched on a little bit, and it goes to uh, Mike Pettin's entire defense. Now, it, it can be just the defense because, you know, who knows if Mike Pettin's going to be sticking around as defensive coordinator, uh, what happens with the head coaching position. But uh, for the defense, you need to change your eating habits. You need to get healthier and put more turnovers into your diet. Yeah, turn the, the fat off and get some turnovers because, you know, this defense allowed – 400 points this year that's the second most of the past decade and this is also the second year in a row where the Packers have allowed more points than they've scored and and the the thing with the thing with the points is those points are actually just I mean a little above average for the entire NFL Mm -hmm. the thing though is like I saw I was looking at it the Rams the the Chiefs the Saints all give up roughly the same amount of points when you average it out the the reason though is because they score so many points and then it gets into a track meet in order to keep up so they start airing the ball out right they score points but those teams also get way more turnovers the rams uh, i mean are near the top in interceptions and turnovers and i know that they've got kind of an out uh, otherworldly defense but creating turnovers is is really the biggest thing your defense can do anymore. It's not even so much about giving up, you know, so many points. It's getting your ball, getting the ball back to your offense as many times and as quickly as possible for them to score is really what the defense is there for now. Right. At the same time, points off the board, that means getting turnovers. For example, it's the Bears. The Bears, number one scoring defense, led the league in turnovers. When the Packers won the Super Bowl in 2010, I think they were they were second in total defense. Mm-hmm. They had 24 interceptions. They were right up there ahead of the league. So I feel they got to go hand in hand, and I feel getting a good pass rush will really, really help out with all of that. I agree. I think so. Um, so as we kind of uh, wrap up things here, Chris, final thoughts as we – I mean, this is our last chance to talk there. I mean, there's a, a fairly good chance that before we talk again – we might have a new head coach by that time. Uh, final thoughts before we get to that point. Oh, well, I mean, it's been so long since Packer fans have gone through this process that, oh man, I don't even know. I mean, this is so incredibly tough because I've, I'm not used to even talking about this. Cause it, I- it, it's almost like, it's almost like game of Thrones. Every everyone that was born in summer has no idea what winter is like. 
And so no one's prepared for winter. No one understands what's coming in winter. Oh, yeah. You know, because like I said, when Mike McCarthy was hired, I was in seventh grade. Right. So it's so crazy to think about this. And I remember when McCarthy was hired, everyone was like, who? Who is this Mm -hmm. guy? You know, and uh, so I feel the head coaching thing is out of the control. I'm more anticipating what Gutekunst does and free agency in the draft. Yeah. Because that that's actually, I think, more fun to predict because, I don't know, I'm not used to just looking at all the it's, different head coaches. It's more familiar. We can exactly. at least something we know. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, I mean, well, speaking of head coaches, like we mentioned uh, at the top of the show, make sure you're sticking with us throughout this whole offseason, but especially this coming week because we're breaking down each and every one of these head coaching uh, candidates that the Packers have reached out to have had interviews with before it starts tomorrow with Andrew Murtagh and Kyle Fells. They're bringing, uh, breaking down Josh McDaniels. And then, uh, you know, moving on, we've got Chuck Pagano, Jim Caldwell. I mean, all the list. And then obviously adding to the list uh, today was uh, Pete Carmichael Jr. So the list is going to keep growing as things go on. And the only way to keep up to date with all of it is to stick with us here at, uh, at pack a day podcast. So make sure you're subscribing reviewing, rating us, uh, following us everywhere that you follow your podcast on Twitter as well at pack a day. And then uh, myself DK all the way. And then my partner, Chris Schimmel, he's at Chris Schimmel on Twitter. Give us a follow on there as well. Kicking off your 2019 right here on the pack a day podcast. Make sure you stick with us. And as always, uh, 2018, 2019, 2055, We ended always with the three best words, Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. From the 16 of New York, first down, goal to go. Rodgers in the shotgun, Williams to his left, here's the snap. Rodgers clean pocket, throws the middle of the end. And a dagger! They beat Morris Claiborne to the back line of the end zone, and the Packers have won it. Rodgers with Williams to his right takes the snap. They pick up the blitz. Lock it on the left side. He's got Kumaro right up and right sideline. Cuts it back to the 10 to the end zone. Touchdown. No flag. 49-yard pass play. Kumaro from Rodgers. Motion to the right side of St. Brown. Pips goes to Williams around the left end. Pass the block. He makes the turn to the five. Barrel down to the end zone. Touchdown. Oh, Whippers by Jamal Williams to get the pylon. Seven-yard touchdown run. And it's 21-13 New York. Roger shotgun takes the snap, rolls the pocket right. Looking, now lost it. One side, got a man wide open. St. Brown stiff arms his way by a man. Inside the 35, cut down the three-yard line of New York. Snap, Roger shotgun looking. Steps up, climbs the pocket, throws the left side. He's got Mark Cosfeld, now scandling down the left sideline, 30. Stays in play to the 25. He's down at the 20-yard line. It is fourth and one. Here's snap to Rogers. looks, pops it over the left side. He's got Robert Tanya down across, across the 40, between the numbers, brought down at the 35-yard line of New York, first down. Here's the snap, faking handoff, rolling right as Rodgers looks the end zone, takes it himself, he's in for the score. It's 35-29, Rodgers scoring on a one-yard touchdown run around the right end. Takes the snap, 
Back pedals. Pump fakes one. And again. Pulls the left side. Driver's going to take it himself. To the 20. To the 15. Cuts it back in the back of the five. And he's wild. Near the one yard line. Oh, my goodness. Aaron Rodgers wheeling his way inside the five. So fourth down for the Packers. Inches away from the lead score. Rodgers takes quarterback sneak. Reaches oh. over. And the ball came loose, but it's a touchdown. Rodgers reached it over, and the Packers have taken the lead, 